This is Shack Talk, presented by Eskimo Ice Fishing Gear and hosted by Kyle Agri and Anthony Kleinwachter. Turn up your speakers, grab your gear, and hit the ice with us as we talk ice fishing. Come on in, grab a bucket, and have a seat. We are talking ice fishing with Shack Talk Ice Fishing Podcast. This is Kyle Agri, Anthony Kleinwachter, and... Uh, Shack Talk is brought to you by Eskimo Ice Fishing Gear. Anthony, very, very excited on this uh, this episode and this segment to welcome a friend of ours, Greg Hayes, uh, 419 Outdoors owner and uh, coach of the Birchwood High School Ice Fishing Team to the podcast to talk about youth and high school angling. Greg, welcome to Shack Talk. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. So, uh... Greg, as as we're um, as we're gonna dive into this topic, uh, high school angling, youth angling. You are, uh, as I introduced you, you're you're a coach of an ice fishing team at a at a high school. Tell us a little bit about your experience with that team. Uh, how long has it been in existence? What uh, what is your role? And and uh, just give us kind of the the ten thousand foot view. Well, that's uh, gonna be quite the view, but uh, we'll uh, you know it's. It's uh, this is our second year, so I'll start with that. Uh, last year was our first year. Uh, we didn't we didn't go to state championship, and uh, you know I, I've got a anybody who knows Birchwood, it's a small town, so I, we've got a smaller team, but it's it's grown significantly over the last year. But the experience as a whole, I guess I would have to say, is is humbling, and uh, you know. It's, it's very honoring to to get to work with uh, you know the anglers of tomorrow, the our next generation that's coming up. So, can you imagine if we would have had this when we were in high school? I mean, seriously, <laughs> ice fishing as a sport. You know, it's funny you say that, Anthony, because there's probably a, a couple of key things that that really push this sport. And first, of course, is that kids love to ice fish, and it's bringing the future of. Uh, you know, outdoorsmen and outdoorsmen or outdoors women into into the game, but it's probably just as much parents that say exactly that and pushing their kids and supporting their kids to uh, to do this because just like you said, is uh, I, I couldn't imagine what high school would have been like if I had this opportunity. You know, I've talked to a number of folks within the fishing industry, and uh, some common threads are, are things that I've heard really align with what you just said, Greg, because you, you get the kids involved or you make an opportunity for those kids to get involved. And what you see is the parents and grandparents and other family members kind of rekindle that passion that they maybe had as a, as a kid growing up, or they had in their younger adult years, fishing or ice fishing. And what it's really done, as you kind of alluded to there is it's brought this whole generation that had kind of lost touch with the outdoors back into the fold and back into enjoying something that was at one time pretty important to them. Absolutely. And you hit the nail on the head there. It's grandparents, it's aunts, it's uncles, it's community members, neighbors, you know, everybody, everybody has uh, some sort of history with the outdoors. And so they're uh, always supportive. Greg, I'm, I'm curious here uh, because I know if we look at the bigger picture and we look at, at student angling as a whole, student angling all year round, right? I mean, it's huge down South. It's huge yep. in the, yep. and, and right before we, we came and, and got rolling here, you mentioned that the BASS, the bass fishing competitive structure and um, the bass federation is another one that has that structure there in the open water for students. And that has trickled its way up into the Midwest and in the Northern tier of States. And we're seeing now open water high school leagues, starting up teams developing in these high schools and and like you explained now we've got ice fishing teams as well so tell me a little bit about how your team started so it's it's actually very simple to do if if you're from a town that doesn't have a team and you're looking to get one started uh you just got to work with your local school of course approach them most you know nine times out of ten they're absolutely ecstatic to do something like this but the next would be just to reach out to a member of the wifa and, and what wifa stands for is wisconsin interscholastic fishing association and they're really 
they're they're really the ones who who put all this together. They put the state championships together. They drive all the marketing. They get all the dollars to do the events. They help host events, and you know that's that that they're the ones to contact and really get it. But it's as simple as an email, and you can have a team set up and ready to go. So were you the kind of the initiating force there, Greg? Is that as that team has formed? Was it was it because of your interest in wanting to see it happen? You know what? It was actually the complete opposite, and this is what to me uh, really kind of makes it all worth it. Is I was actually working one day, and I got a phone call from a couple of eighth graders from Birchwood School, and that that's my graduating school, and uh, you know it's the town I'm from, so they reached out to me and asked me to come and coach. And I had worked with another school, another local school the year prior, and that was their first year. So I kind of had knew some of the ins and outs and getting it started. And they knew that and they wanted on board. And so it was, it was amazing to have those kids contact me and ask me to be their coach because that's, I mean, that's what more can you ask for with that? That's great. Um, what type of competition now do you talk about when you get these guys out on the ice? What uh, What's a day on the ice like with these kids? Um, you know, how many schools are participating? What uh, Walk us through one of those days out on the ice with these kids. So uh, aside from state championship, you have uh, schools, different schools around the state can host different tournaments. And the formats are always a little different. Some of them are community-type tournaments where – everybody's invited and then teams can come there and fish as a team for that. Or there's ones that are specifically devoted for high school and a team consists of 10 or less students. Um, most of the time, so, sometimes, you know, it'll be five. Like I said, it does vary a little bit, but most times it's 10 or less students and mostly overall inches of fish. And then they'll have categories, of course, biggest pike, biggest bass, biggest walleye, panfish but um but you know you you show up at the ramp like any other tournament you get yourself registered and you let the kids loose you you get to work with them spend the time on the ice teach them how to target different things but uh yeah i mean that's kind of the gist of it it's just like any other day out on the ice except for this time you might get to walk away with a little hardware you know you said something there greg that really struck a chord with me and that is the fact that these kids are having a great time. You're turning them loose in the outdoors. They're having fun. They're learning by doing. They're they're exploring. They're learning from each other. But also, they're surrounded by coaches and other volunteers like yourself who are serving as mentors, as teachers, as people that uh, are an example to them about what uh, what an outdoor heritage, what ice fishing means, what it what it means as a uh, as a pastime and and something that's a lifelong activity. Absolutely. I look, I look back at some of the sports that I participated in in high school, and you know that's the one of the things you know anything that you can take away that you are going to be able to do when you're done with high school, like fishing. I mean, I think it's such a great opportunity for these kids to develop the skills, you know, learn from one another, learn from the coaches, from the other mentors and volunteers, and be able to take that passion and just run with it. I mean, I know go, growing up, had I had an opportunity like that, I mean. I'd probably be spending more time on the ice than I already do. So maybe maybe it wouldn't have been a great thing, but uh, I, I just really am really excited to see these opportunities for these kids. And, you know, I appreciate, you know, guys like you that are coaching these kids all across the, the states, um, you know, whether that's in the open water or on the ice, I think it's a, a really great opportunity to get these kids involved. Absolutely. And, you know, the other kind of cool part, and this is uh, – something to fly on the wall type of a view on it is kids that don't normally hang out at school. Um, they've now found a common bond and made friendships throughout this that they wouldn't have had. If it was, you know, it's, some kids like to play basketball and some kids are baseball players, but if you got a basketball player and a baseball player that both like to fish, well, now you've just connected them and, and built friendships on it. And, you know, it's uh, it's it's just a different dynamic altogether. I would agree 100%, Greg. And, and I have the last two seasons have been involved in, in some open water fishing leagues that have formed around the area 
one just uh, east of my home there in Minnesota, in central Minnesota, the Heart of Lakes Fishing League, and then most recently in, in our home community here of Fargo and West Fargo, the Lake Agassiz High School Fishing League. And uh, although they've, they've started out as open water fishing, um, there's already a lot of talk of doing ice events and, and things during the winter. It's, a, it's just a natural progression. But one of my things that just, uh, I mean, let's be, I'll be honest with you, it warms my heart, is to see these kids out there forming these friendships. And like you said, a basketball and a baseball player, but I've also noticed You've got kids of different socioeconomic backgrounds. You've got the kid who maybe has never spent any time in the outdoors, um, maybe has single parents, just has not had the exposure. And you have another, you have another student who has been raised in the outdoors, and you've got them sharing their their experiences and learning from one another. And it's it is so cool and it's so awesome when you look at where this is going to take our sport. Yeah, and you know on, on that point. It's like you said, the, the different backgrounds. We've got kids that show up that barely own snow pants, let alone a Vexlar or a Grizzly or, you know, a jig rod. And you have the kids, like you said, that are grown up with this and they're always the first ones to invite, you know, or to here, here's a jig rod, you know, hop in here with me, show, you know, check out a Vex. Oh, you've never seen a Vexlar yet. Yeah, check this out. So it, it brings these kids together on a, on a much bigger level than just fishing. You know, and, I, and I'm going to go a little bit deep in the weeds here, but I, my, my wife is an educator. She works for the school system. She's a school administrator. One of the things that, that she's shared with me is, is some of the research that goes into the way that our kids are being raised and not that they're being raised bad, but just the world they're being raised in is, is so driven in technology and so driven in uh, the video and the, the, the screen time that those environments are creating in our kids, uh, their brains are being wired and growing different and developing differently than yours was and mine was and Anthony's was when we were kids because of what they're exposed to. And um, there's a lot of research that shows that they are missing out on a lot of these tactile experiences, meaning like running through grass, sand, mud, uh, being out on the ice, you know, digging their hand and, and picking that fish up out of the, the, the ice fishing hole. And, and, and just these experience that we've taken for granted our entire life. And we've always, we've always known what they are. There's a whole generation of kids that are coming up that, that don't know what that is. And, and it's, this kind of a movement is making a difference for those kids. Well, it's set, setting our future up. That's, that's, all, that's I mean, that that's, that's the big end of it. So. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. It's really exciting, Greg. I, I I am really pumped up to hear that you've done this ice fishing thing because I know in, in a lot of the other leagues, that's where it's headed. And, and, and even if they got their start in the open water, they're going to be out there ice fishing before we know it. What, in your experience, uh, in the team that you've worked with, Greg, what, what about equipment? How do you handle equipment with these kids? Do, do they bring their own equipment? Do they have to have equipment? Um, how, how do you deal with that? Well, this is, uh, you know, th this is our second year. Last year was, was our first winter. And like any new team, there's, there, you know, m money is always an issue with any sport, you know, any business, any, anything that, that's starting off. And one of the, if, th if there's one thing, if I could reach as many people as I can and tell them one thing, it would be to help these kids out in not not by a donation or you know it, it's much simpler than that i i mentioned wifa wisconsin interscholastic fishing association part of their program is offering statewide raffle tickets for all these kids and then they get to sell these raffle tickets and sell that to raise money for things like gear and, and these are as a team trailers and another great aspect of that is some of the local clubs uh we were very generously able to receive uh donations from our american legion our community parents organization our lions club and so you can you know we're, we're able to take some of that money this year now and look at purchasing stuff uh you know may, maybe it's some hub shacks uh the kids are actually really pushing for a trailer this year but 
prior to that, no, there was nothing uh, other than what the kids brought or what I brought. And fortunate for guys like us, handsome devils, uh, you know, we've, uh, this is our passion. So we've got plenty of extra ice gear to, to go around and, and to help with the kids that show up with nothing but the shirt on their back. And they just got a passion to learn and to go hang out with their buddies and go ice fishing. And, and an, another side of that is having great companies like Eskimo, like Ion that offer, um, you know, reduced price. They offer deals to these kids because they know they're, they're kids. They're what, what's high school, you know, 14 on up to 18. That's about well, right. Many, 14 how, to 16 <laughs> up to 18. Yeah. Right. These are, these yeah, are the next know, generation how, of adults. Yeah. How many of those kids can afford to go out and pull the trigger on an $800 ice check? Not many of them, but you know what, with the programs that, that these places offer, it makes it affordable. So it gives these kids a true chance to get some quality gear to get out on the ice. Couldn't agree more. Greg, uh, you're right. There's a lot of support there within the schools. I, I've seen that. There's there's great support in the community, in the industry, and uh, and for good reason. It's a great movement. It's exciting. It's fun for our sport to see that uh, that rejuvenation with those younger individuals. And uh, really appreciate you taking some time to visit with us and join on uh, the podcast here. 419 Outdoors. Uh, give us a little uh, rundown what what you do with 419 Outdoors, and uh, also Greg, how can how can listeners of the podcast find you uh, through social media or or reach out? How can they get a hold of you if they have questions about starting up a team or or anything about uh, youth ice fishing? Well, I guess the most common question I ask get asked is uh, what is 419, and and it simply put, it's Matthews 419, the Fishers of Men, and and, uh, you know, with, with anything, you got to put a little faith in, in your everyday. And that's kind of what our store is structured around on top of offering some of the greatest products on the market. But, um, you know, we're, we're a small shop in Rice Lake, Wisconsin. That's Northwest Wisconsin. Uh, we've got, you can search us on Facebook by just simply typing at 419 Outdoors LLC. We're very active on there. We try to stay on the ice. We try to get new products. Um, yeah, I mean, we're we're a new business as well, and we're uh, we're just eager to to help educate our customers and help give them a better product. Folks, if you're listening to the podcast and you're over in Rice Lake, stop on into 419 Outdoors. Look up Greg. Give him a shout. Um, great, great guy. Great, great resource there, and uh, fantastic. Kudos to you, Greg, for volunteering as a high school fishing coach. Appreciate what you are doing. And uh, again, thanks for joining us on Check Talk. Oh, it was my honor. Thank you, guys. It's always a, always a great time. Folks, uh, stick around. We have just, just begun with this episode of Shack Talk. We're going to take a really quick break, and we're going to be right back. We're going to be talking about the Craigslist Angler, Craigslist Ice Angler. Anthony, uh, I'm excited for this one. Uh, we're going to jump right in as soon as we get back. Stick around, folks. We'll be back in a second. Welcome back to Shack Talk. This is our gear and equipment segment. We're going to be talking with Trevor Kinneman. He's an engineer at uh, Artisan, Eskimo, and Ion. We wanted to get his insight on what type of gear should you be looking for as you plan and get ready for this upcoming ice season. So we're going to be picking his brain, trying to get some ideas from him on what he feels are the most important things to look for. As you know, we're all getting ready. We've got those wants and those need lists. So we're going to kind of dive right in, figure out exactly what you should be looking for, you know, maybe what new products are out there and what types of, you know, medium should be you looking for when you're looking for new gear, whether that's at a, a fishing show at a retailer, or maybe even just buying things online, um, picking things off of Craigslist. So Trevor, welcome to the show. Um, glad to have you. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Anthony. Uh, you know, first, first time on Shack Talk here. So get to, uh, Get to see what it's all about, but uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm ready to answer some questions, I guess, for you. Yeah, no. What uh, if you were to pick the one piece of gear that you think is the most important for ice fishing? What would you say that piece of gear is? Uh, 
Uh, I mean, I, I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, the lakes that you're fishing and uh, where you live. You know, it's hard to argue against um, the electronics nowadays. Um, but at the end of the day, you got to be able to drill a hole <laughs> to fish. So I'd, I'd, I'd put the auger probably uh, number one, but, um, you know, you can you find deals every day on those too. So, yeah, so walk us through cool. a little bit, you know, where there's all kinds of augers these days. I mean, anything from, you know, you got your hand augers, you got chisels. I mean, you can go to a gas auger, propane, electric. Um, any recommendations for somebody that's out there, you know, maybe there's somebody on a budget, maybe there's somebody not on a budget. What would you what would you advise? What are some of the limitations for maybe each of the, the different types? Uh, you know, uh, we still make, you know, the tried and true um, gas augers, um, that's, you know, what our, our grandparents grew up with and, um, you know, plenty of those are still out on the market today and even sold new. Um, so I guess by default, that'd probably be, you know, if you're in the power auger market, uh, the hand auger is always your, um, your beginner or if, if you're not sure about ice fishing or you went out with a buddy once and you you want to try it kind of on your own, but don't know how much you're going to do it. Um, you know, for 50 bucks, you can go out there and pick up your own, your own hand auger and, uh, fish at will or as, as much as you want to turn the thing. Um, you know, so I, that, I would say at a basic level, you have, have those two options. And then, um, you know, in the last, you know, eight, 10 years, um, We've we've had a lot of other options come to the market, um, you know, whether it be uh, propane augers, uh, your four-stroke options uh, with that, um, you know, for the guys that still want to uh, run around all day in pop holes and uh, feel that they they need a, uh, you know, a, a fuel-powered auger, um, the you know, propane options, not a bad route. Um, you know, and then the electric augers are really what's made the splash, you know, in that time period too. Um, and I think, I think that, that realm certainly is what's made the most difference. Um, I think in ice fishing, um, at least in that, in that time, uh, being where I think everyone can pick up an electric auger, um, sold now that'll pretty much satisfy uh anyone's type of fishing whether you're you're brand new to it and uh you want to get the cool new toy or you've been fishing for the last you know 40 years and uh tired of pulling that that gas auger over you know trevor as as i look at this and and anthony and i and uh, we're talking about you know the craigslist angler it's it's you look at folks that are involved in the sport of ice fishing and you have this whole spectrum and you've got from one end to the other, I can remember, you know, coming out of college and, and wanting to buy an auger, but not having enough money to do it. Right. You know, I mean, right. it, you, 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 yeah. you got to figure out how to get these pieces of equipment. Um, first it's, it's kind of getting that trifecta, right? The shack, the auger and the, the flasher, your electronics. And, and then, as, as you get older, as you get more established in your career and your hobby becomes something that you're able to spend more money on, then you can upgrade some of those things. But, you know, starting out, if if you, before we get into to, to really dissecting the auger piece of it, if you were to look and give a recommendation to somebody, just, just based on your expertise, your mechanical expertise, and you were to say, okay, uh, if, if you've got a budget and you can only buy new one thing, you can you, you got to go buy all three of those pieces of equipment, but only one of them could be new. Would you recommend someone buying a, a new shack, a new auger, or a new electronic? Oh, I mean, you know, depending upon the budget, but I I think I think in the long run, um, buying buying new electronics, especially nowadays, where you know it's it's changing literally every season something something's new and better and the, the technology keeps uh you know overcoming last season's you know new hot toys so 
I think if you're really just going to, you you had your budget and you said, yeah, I'm going to spend, you know, spend a little bit more on something new, I'd, I'd probably put it towards the electronics. But, uh, you know, there's, it, everyone's made checks for so long now. Um, and people, you always got the guys that got to have the new thing. So there's plenty of, plenty of uh, one-year-old, um, barely used pop-ups out there. Um, I guess that'd be the the route I'd point most people in. And I think it's interesting um, that you you picked electronics as as a as a financially conscious person here. Uh, you know, fi- the electronics they're probably the more expensive piece if you were to look at it. I mean, I think you hit it with a you know a hand auger or something. You can pick up a used auger or something like that for for fairly reasonable under a hundred dollars probably and. You know, like you mentioned, you can probably get a shack for, you know, around that 150 to $200, depending on what you're looking for. And, and electronics, you know, that's that's probably your price tag item. And, you know, it, it is interesting, like you mentioned, the way things are, ch- technology is changing, you know, how, where is it going to go next year? And so, I mean, there's always people looking to upgrade. So, you know, taking a look at that, you know, whether that's new or new used, I mean, there's a lot of people that buy a piece of equipment and use it for one year. And they they decide that they don't go with it. So it's interesting that you that you pick that um, that one piece is is the the big ticket item. Yeah, and I mean certainly you you don't have to go out and buy electronics. Period. Um, depending upon you know living in Wisconsin um, and growing up here, uh, I grew up tip up fishing, um, and. We're allowed three lines here, and so, you know, growing up, that was, uh, you went out to, um, you know, someone's someone's permanent shack, and, you know, someone normally had a, a gas auger out there, and you'd pop a, a, sea, a sea of holes, and everyone would throw their tip-ups in, and then you'd have the, you know, the social aspect of it, too, and not a single person would just be sitting at jig fishing, either. Um, and quite a bit of that still still goes on today, and I think you know there would be certainly uh, you know a handful of people that would hear you know go out and buy the latest and greatest electronics and go well I don't even need that so you know it'd be depends on the angler but if uh, if it was if it was myself doing it over um, that's probably what I'd be I'd be looking for. So if you're looking for the best deal of the season, I know you've had a lot of experience in buying things, you know, are you looking for, you know, to go into a store and just, you know, blindly purchase something based on the sale price? Are you looking around for deals? Are you, are you shopping online? Are you going to, you know, the retail shows that they have? Are you waiting until the end of the season, waiting for an end of season deal? I know there can be, you know, good times to get good deals. When do you think is the best time for somebody to buy whether that's you know the the latest and greatest toy for the year or you know just getting into the season when when's the best time to buy gear uh, i mean it, it's kind of two sided if if you want the latest and greatest um a lot of times you got to buy it uh sooner than later um because you know since ice fishing is still a a fairly limited market the manufacturers play to that and um there's a, a real chance of of that new hot item running out um you know mid-season or before the season's over um you know but for the most part if you're you have something in mind you can uh you can search around on the the many ice fishing dedicated forums out there um and normally you can uh sniff out the best deal you know, people are always posting where they where they got the best deal on on something the other day, and um, that normally holds pretty true throughout the season. You know, and I wouldn't discount anybody from from early part of the season right now. You're right, Trevor. That that if there's a hot item, you're gonna get it before it's sold out. But uh, if if you're shopping on a budget, honestly, the the show season, whether it's a, a big produced ice show. Uh, whether it is a, a retailer-based ice show uh, or, an, or or an ice fishing event, you know, right in store, those are those are great opportunities to get probably the lowest deal of the entire season if you're going to buy it new and and oh, don't don't pass up one, those opportunities. One hundred percent agree with that. Um, you know, we've been doing 
I've been a part of, you know, the couple, the, the ice shows that we go to every year, um, for a while now. And it's always mind boggling, uh, some of these deals that the, the retailers will make, um, you know, any day, you know, people say, Oh, you gotta go on Sunday. Cause that's when, when they're trying to make the you know best deal and not bring the stuff home. But it's literally any day. If, if you're there to buy stuff, um, it's like like you're saying it's it's probably the uh the best place you can you can go and, and pick up that piece of equipment to so kind of as a follow-up to that trevor and and you know given that that's those are some great opportunities but again we're talking about the the ice angler on a budget to trying to get started trying to get some of these pieces of equipment in their garage um they're going to go out to a garage sale they're going to go out to the craigslist they're going to go out on the forums they're going to find something for sale used um, auger, shack. Right. Give us just a couple of quick points. If I'm going to go buy a, a used auger, what are the, the two or three things I need to look for to make sure I'm getting something that's going to serve, serve me and, and, and do what I need it to do. And same thing with a shack. Yeah. I mean, it, it never hurts to do a little bit of homework, um, before that too. I mean, we've all been in that, that circumstance or, you might be wandering around a, a garage sale or happen to see one in a neighborhood and stop in and, you know, maybe see a, a piece of gear that you've never heard of before. Oh, well, geez, that sounds like a good deal. But, uh, you know, really, if, if that's your, that's your plan, I would kind of have a, an idea ahead of time of what you're looking for, what you're willing to deal with. Cause obviously everything's got a price. Um, and and there's you know more times than not someone might be trying to get more money for something than what it's worth um and i guess just knowing ahead of time you know what that what that price should be and does it need blades or you know asking the questions and you know well can we throw some gas in it does it run um is the, the carburetor all gummed up if you're looking at an old gas auger which in most cases if it's a a uh, garage sale item um it probably will be um besides a hand auger um and trevor is that something that would sh- cause me to shy away from that or, or something like a gummed up carb is that a pretty easy fix in most cases it's a pretty easy fix um any of the major manufacturers uh you should you should be able to call in uh go on their website they you know we all um, offer carburetor rebuild kits or just the carburetor uh, itself a lot of times is the the easier option and you just you know backing two bolts out and removing a gas line and um, putting a new one on and two more bolts and the uh, gas line back on and most of the times that that'll get get that uh, that you know slightly neglected garage sale auger going again and as far as a shack, is there anything that someone should look for if they're buying a used shack? Or, you know, what would you what would you advise for, and you know, how people maintain their gear? You know, what should you look for in, in a shack? Uh, I mean, well, the obvious one is you know whether you found it on Craigslist and went and you know met a person, or uh, Facebook Marketplace seems to be the big one now, or the garage sale. Uh, make sure you open the thing up. Um, you know, especially on, on pop-ups, uh, you know, you don't know where people put these things. It could be sitting in the, the back of a pole barn, and they maybe used it once, but since then, a, a family of mice found it, and um, they, you know, no fault to the, the seller, maybe they didn't even open it. Um, and you certainly don't want to get home and find that, that your, your pop-up shelter is all full of of mouse holes because unfortunately with pop-ups there there's something that uh you can't generally service the skin as far as buy a, a replacement for it you can buy patch kits but um that'd probably be, be the biggest piece of advice um you know there's other things like zippers um you know between the you know everyone seems to have a different grade zipper um 
some of the manufacturers use better zippers than others. Um, so working that, making sure that your teeth aren't skipping or the coil comes apart, because um, that would really render the the shelter useless if it's on a you know those cold days we we experienced last year. If your door's wide open and you're just blowing blowing the heat out the window, it's not uh, not doing what it should be for you. I think that's a really great point, something that probably people maybe would overlook, you know, checking on zippers, checking, you know, different compartments and any of the, the windows, you know, making sure that those aren't cracked or anything like that. I know they, they make replacements for a lot of that stuff, but it's just one more thing that you, you know, have to deal with after the fact. So, you know, taking the time to look at those, um, you know, I think that's a great advice for, for somebody that's on a budget and, and looking for new gear. And for the guy that's, you know, looking to buy new, I mean, those are things that you can even look for in the new products, you know, compare the retailers, look at the the quality of the materials and the, uh, and the pieces of equipment that they're putting into their products. I mean, that's why we go to those ice shows. That's why we go to the retailers. I mean, everything can be maybe be cheaper online, but until you can feel those things and, you know, talk to somebody in the store and, and get that advice, I mean, I think that's invaluable information that uh, as an ice angler uh, we should be gathering before we're spending money on some of these products um, so I really appreciate uh, your time on the on the call here and and uh, talking shack talk with us I mean I think there's a lot of great gear out there um, what's one piece of it, uh, gear that you're probably looking forward to most this year oh man it, you know it's hard for me because um, you know we were constantly you know, revolving our, our own products throughout the, the office and using uh, using the latest and greatest there. But uh, I'm, I'm probably going to be, be upgrading electronics myself, so it'll be, it'll be on the list this year for me. Yeah, I, I can't uh, can't deny there. I, I got to play with the, the Garmin Panoptics last year, and, boy, that's a, an interesting piece of technology that, um, you know, it's probably one of those big-ticket items that uh, – it's it's hard for a lot of people to have, but I mean, if you know somebody that has one, definitely take a look at it. And uh, you know, if you're in the market for a new new shack and a new auger, make sure to check out the deals that Eskimo Ice Fishing has this year. Um, Trevor, we really appreciate your time on the on the shack talk today. Um, we'll be right back with our next segment. Uh, we're going to be talking why we like ice fishing. Um, we're really excited for this next guest to get their their insight to what may have changed over the years. Um, so that's just a little teaser for our next segment. So don't go anywhere. We'll be, uh, we'll be right back. Welcome back to Shack Talk. We're really excited for this next segment. Uh, this is going to be a new featured segment for us this year on why do you ice fish? Everyone that ice fishes maybe has a different reason, you know, coming from a different background or, or what you like to get out of your time out on the ice. And we're really going to focus a lot in this segment over the, the course of the season, talking to a bunch of different anglers. Why do we enjoy ice fishing? And, you know, we can share our experiences and, and share what really drives our passion for the sport and, you know, maybe share on some of the things that helps make our time on the ice more enjoyable and, you know, be able to share in those experiences with one another and, and be able to get some of that from these segments. I am super excited, Anthony. I'm super excited for our first guest here. Um, I, I am excited for what this segment is going to bring to the podcast because it's it's not focused in on, on technical aspects of ice fishing. It's not telling someone how they need to ice fish. It's it's hearing from folks who love to ice fish and finding out why. What what brought that about? Was it was it something from their childhood? Was it something from from their adult life, a friend or somebody that introduced them, a, a father, a grandfather, whatever it is. I mean there's there's no right or wrong answer and and so many of us have those common threads. And I think that's what we're gonna find this year. So there are going to be a lot of those common threads in this sport. Exactly. And so for our first segment, uh, we've got a guest. Uh, he's a good friend of ours. And we wanted to bring someone in with a few years of uh, ice fishing experience to maybe talk us through, you know, what they've seen change over the years. And I'd like to to welcome Dennis Aloya to Shack Talk. Dennis, uh, how's it going? It's going well, thanks. Good to talk to you guys. We're really excited to kind of get some of your insight um, on why you enjoy ice fishing 
what drives you to, you know, get up in the morning when it's 20 below and, and put on your gear and grab your stuff and walk out onto the ice. Um, so maybe just take a second and tell us, you know, why you enjoy ice fishing and how did you get your start in, into ice fishing and how long have you been, been ice fishing? Gosh. Uh, yeah, I'm glad to, I, I, I've probably been ice fishing now thinking here, you know, around 50 years, uh, boy, that really makes me feel old, but, uh, probably 50 years. I remember starting when I lived in Indiana, I was growing up and I'd go ice fishing with a couple of buddies and would go to the farm ponds and fish. And of course, in Indiana, we didn't have the same ice we do up here north. And so, you know, it was kind of a an occasional thing that we did, but it was a good way to get outside and, you know, get into the open and the fresh air and that kind of thing. And so we'd go out together and we'd fish every once in a while, probably only four or five times a year. Uh, but after in, in, I think, 1984 or so, um, my family, we moved up to Marquette, Michigan, way up in the top of the Upper Peninsula. And there you got lots and lots of time to ice fish. And I remember the first time I moved up there, friends told me, listen, if you're going to live up in the north, you have to get out in the winter and you got to have fun. You've got to be able to do things. And I remember we started taking uh, our two children, our daughter and our son out. And our, our daughter and my wife would go cross-country ski across the lakes, and my son and I would ice fish. And uh, one story that just always sticks in my mind, I'll never forget, my son was five. And we were fishing for bluegills on a little wee lake up in the woods, in the backwoods. And uh, he had a little, one of those little ice poles that has a little plastic reel on it. And I had drilled a hole and got him in the, uh, in the you know, he put his bait down, little wee you know, a little mousy or something that we were fishing with. And I was drilling another hole a little bit away and I heard him yell and I looked back and the whole pole was bent completely into the water and he was five. And I, I ran over as fast as I could and uh, he had caught. And by the time I got there, he pulled it out. He had about an 18 inch Northern that he caught on this little pole with like two pound test. And I knew right then that he was hooked and I was hooked. And of course, my daughter and, and wife came over and we were just all like so thrilled by that. And I think that was the start of it. So for me, being able to get out in the winter and the fresh air with my kids and my wife and, and you know have a chance to get out and catch a fish. We didn't have a boat at that time. We could get out into the lake in the summer. That was really the thing. It was more the, the thing of bringing the family together. And uh, that's how I think how we got started. Uh but it's, you know, it's changed and it's grown over the years. There's so many different things. You know, it went from a lot of family things to adding good friends that we made uh, up north. And those friends would uh, come with us and would still always bring the kids and they'd bring their kids. And, you know, we put out tip ups and we'd catch northerns and maybe every once in a while we'd catch a bass or a walleye. And everybody just had such a good time. And we were out in the fresh air and enjoying it. And so I think that's what really got me started. You know, uh, Dennis, I, I hear I hear you talk about these stories. And you know what, what struck me in, in my mind was that 18-inch northern burned just this incredible memory into your mind and your son's mind. And and sometimes we get so caught up in, in the seriousness of the sport, we think it has to be this personal best or this trophy that's going to be memorable. But boy, oh, boy. It's those moments that really, really capture our heart, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It absolutely is. And I'll tell you, you know, like I've been fishing, you know, I do all kinds of fishing and, and fishing since then, uh, really probably since I was eight or 10. I, quite honestly, I don't even, I don't even keep many fish anymore. You know, there's my wife and I, and we'll keep a couple of fish, you know, just to eat. But, but, uh, but mostly, you know, I'm just out there for the fun of it. We're out there just for the the chance to be outside. And as much as I like to catch fish and don't get me wrong, I love to catch big fish. Just being out in the winter. It's like, it's so different than the summer. You know, I mean, it's, first of all, it's so beautiful. It's white. It's gorgeous. You know, you can dress for it, but it, it's also so quiet. You know, there's like nothing going on. You can be, you can be doing something that's really fun, but you can still kind of be out there with nature and relaxing and just enjoying yourself and, and really having a good time. Uh, and in a very kind of simple way, you know what I mean? 
That's exactly one of the main reasons why I enjoy ice fishing. It's I consider it my therapy. If I can't get away and spend some time out on the ice, um, just relaxing, like you said, enjoying the the peace and quiet. I mean, it's just a great way to to wind down and and have a good time. And like you said, you still have the opportunity to enjoy catching fish or you know maybe bringing some fish home for supper. So I can't agree with you more. Yeah, it's really, it's one of those sports that you can do. And, you know, when you're done, you know, it may be, it may be cold, you know, of course we don't get so cold in, in our, in our little huts and those kinds of things anymore, but it, you know, it, it may be a, a long walk or it may be a little bit of work, but like now, especially I do this with my son and we kind of relive those times we had when he was young and, you know, it's just, it's some of the most rewarding times because when you're sitting there, two guys, you know, fishing or three or four guys, you know, it's just an opportunity to kind of sit and reflect on everything that's going on in life. And you don't have to worry about cars or anything else or people talking to you. And it's just, it's just a really kind of a a gorgeous time. It really is. So I, I I just love the whole reminiscing part of it and and the whole, uh, just, just being out there and, and having that time together. Um, Dennis, just looking maybe more at, at some of the experience and, and when you look back, when, when you talk about those first times you'd go out with your family, your kids were young, were you, uh, were you bringing out an ice shack or, or were you just sitting out there on a bucket or what was, what did that look like? I'll tell you, honestly, I don't even think they had ice shacks back then. You know, we had, uh, the first few times we went out, my auger, I don't know, I'm sure you guys have seen them, one of those old cup augers. You know, it just had like a copper scoop on the bottom. And that was how you drilled your, that's how you cut your hole. You cut your hole and we would cut a hole and then we'd also bring out a, a, a spud and sometimes would spud holes if the ice was really deep. Uh, in terms of a shack, uh, for the first few years we did it back in the 70s, nobody ever even heard of shacks. You know, we weren't doing that. And then I remember once when I was, when we moved in Marquette, it was probably the, probably about 1987 or 88 they started selling like plastic tents, little huts that you bring out there and you had to put up with the poles. And I remember one of the things we did is we took the tent, it was like a sort of a hut and we, we cut out plywood to meet the two, to, to match the two ends. And then we fastened it to each end so that it closed up like an accordion. It probably weighed a hundred pounds, but then when we'd get out there, all we would have to do is stretch it out like an accordion put two poles from one piece of plywood to the other. And we actually had a hut. And back then we were one of the few guys that ever had something like that. And we never had, you know, ice shacks like, you know, a lot of people do. So that was our, and we put little skis on one side and that was our way to get out there. But that's how we started. And like where this whole industry has gone since then, it's kind of mind boggling really when you think about it, but really it kind of mirrors everything else that's going on in society everything has advanced so much and you know we're we do it so different now uh plus i think that's what you said anthony earlier is it makes our expectations increase too because like now we've got all this technology you know and we have so much more information our expectations are we're going to catch more fish back then if we caught a couple of fish we just felt really good about it we got lucky you know what i mean yeah i can't agree more i mean it's amazing how reliant upon technology and the gear we've become I think one of the biggest things that has really changed the amount of time that people can spend on the ice is just the the clothing and the gear that we can wear. I mean, like you said, if you don't have a shack, I mean, if you've got the right gear, you can fish outside and, and still have a good time and, and be it, enjoy your time out on the ice. And I think that's one thing that people should keep in mind is, you know, we talk about shack talk and having the shacks and, and things like that. But, you know, you don't have to have a shack. I mean, I started out fishing, you know, like you said, sitting on a bucket and, and having the, the homemade built shacks and, and upgrading from there. And so it's really what you want to put into it. Yeah, you know, it used to be you'd stay out till you got too cold or till the kids got too cold. Now, you know, with heaters and the shacks and, and the the clothing is amazing. And and I think the most amazing part of the clothing is the fact that now so much of it floats. 
Yeah, I you, mean, what a safety thing that is. That's, that's so such amazing. a gr- great piece of, of uh, equipment there is those float suits. And like you said, until the kids get cold or until they step into an ice hole. I mean, that's one of the first stories <laughs> when I had with my daughter um, out on the ice one of the first times. Luckily, we were packing up to leave. But if you've got kids and they haven't stepped in an ice hole, you haven't been ice fishing long enough. It's just a matter of time, yeah, isn't it? It's going to happen. I think you're absolutely right. You know, and uh, but like now... With the, with the heat in in the shacks and with the clothes, I mean, it's nothing to stay out all day long. You can really do that if you want to, you know, or you can go out for a couple hours and have some fun and then head on in. But, yeah, I mean, and today with, you know, just with those things, you know, it's just so much, much more comfortable. Uh, and so it gives you a lot more opportunity to be out there. And, you know, if you enjoy the solitude and you enjoy be, or you enjoy being out there with friends, just kind of sitting, you know, it's kind of for me, it's like duck hunting. It's kind of the same thing. If you get out there with two or three buddies and you get out early in the morning and you spend the day, you can just have so much fun. Uh, you know, just being there with friends, the camaraderie that you share. Um, and, and you can do it comfortably now, where before it was a little bit harder. It gives, it, it gives us choices, right? We've got the options to use that. And, and um, I like what you said, Dennis, is that whether you go out at, and you do an all-day outing or, or whether you're just out for a couple hours with family or friends, neither one of them is right or wrong. It's just, what do you, what are you looking to get out of the day? What are you looking to get out of the experience? And, uh, and, and what can you walk away from in terms of memories and, and, and the fun that you had? Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with you a hundred percent. Well, Dennis, thank you very much for, for taking a few minutes to talk with us on Shack Talk. We really appreciate hearing your stories. Uh, for our listeners, if you're, if you're interested in learning more about anything that we've talked about today, um, feel free to check us out on all of our social media, um, EskimoIceFishing.com. We've got all of our gear out there. You can reach out to us on our, our Facebook page or Instagram. We're active on, on both of those. And you know, feel free to reach out to Kyle or myself um, on social media personally, and we'd be more than happy to talk ice fishing and answer any of your questions. Um, So thanks for hopping in the shack with us, and until next time, be safe and get out fishing. 